Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right, I got to shift gears now and I'm going to dive into what I came prepared to speak to you guys about. I'm excited about today. I really, I'm hoping, I think I can do this. Might take a miracle. I think I can complete the passage we've been in today. Lord, help me do this. Um, if you can turn your Bibles to Matthew 16, um, I'm going I'm to read to you starting at verse 13 through 19. We've been in a we've been doing a series that I am I'm not ending the series I'm just ending this passage all right the series is going to ongo because it's important on on the ecclesia God's version of His church okay so um, I'm excited about today I feel like um, I feel like today's message is very apostolic to be honest and. Um, I'm going to preach this message. There's a lot of theology. I'm tr- I've been trying to build line on line, precept on precept with this passage. And, but I, I really believe that the, the spirit of this message is prophecy into what we're building and, and what God's doing and stuff. And um, so some of it's exciting. Some of it's going to be, you're going to be like, oh man, that was amazing. Some of it's going to be um, informational. Some of it's going to challenge you. Might even tick somebody off. All right, just letting you know, I, I hope it won't, but if you do get ticked off, like ask the Holy Spirit, should you get convict, convicted because of that, because I don't know, but um, I'm just going to preach truth and love today. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. All right, I'm stoked about this, though. I've been feeling God's presence on it, powerful. All right, Matthew 16, start with verse 13. <clears throat> when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will say to you that you are Peter, which is, I've told you guys in the, in the past, in the Greek, Peter is pet, Petros, right? It's Petros, which means little rock. And he said, and on this rock, which is the Greek word Petra, which means massive rock, okay? So it's not the same, but it's similar, right? That on this Petros, this rock, I will build my church, and and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Come on. And when he's talking about on this rock, I'll build my church, the rock he's referring to is not Peter. It's actually the revelation of the true Christ himself. It's it, like Peter and the disciples had been walking to, with Jesus for however long at this point, and they knew him as a great prophet and an anointed man. But the Father actually gave Peter the ability to see who Jesus is from the Spirit. And, and there, there's such an important thing that we need to understand as Christians is 
we get to choose whether we're functioning from our flesh or from our spirit. And if we try to do Christianity from the flesh, we're missing everything that it's really all about. You can hang out with Jesus for years and never even experience him in the spirit. Christians all over the place haven't learned how to actually walk from the spirit and, and trying to do what, what we, we could really consider as the religion of Christianity and miss Jesus altogether. But, but the Father wants to reveal the Christ to us so that we can experience him from a spirit level because from the spirit level, when we can see who Jesus is, he says, on the revelation of who I truly am, and I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia upon you being able to see who I truly am in the spirit. All right. Now, a lot of people are trying to build church by who they can see that Jesus is from the flesh, and, the, and we build from the flesh, and that probably actually is not what Jesus would consider truly his church, what we build with our own human hands in the name of the religion of Christianity. That's not how Jesus identifies church, but when he sees that people actually know who he truly is, and you get to the core of it, the spirit of it that's underneath the man-made stuff, there actually truly is foundation, foundation that is so solid Jesus could build his ecclesia upon it. So, so what he needs to see in order to truly have his church is it's not programs, it's not the ability to, to do all the stuff excellently, it's do you believe that he truly is the Christ, the son of the living God? How many of you guys truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? Come on, so Jesus has his church. Amen? And whatever church you may have came from, whether it offended you or didn't, or the churches that you know other people go to that offend you or it doesn't, if they have the true revelation, this, I'm talking about the basic, simple revelation, and I mean from the spirit level, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If they have that, guess what? No matter whether you think they're doing the right things or not, he's got his church. And we need to be able to see one another. And we need to be able to see the church the way he sees it because he's not looking at the man-made flesh stuff that we call ministry or whatever. He's looking at the spirit of it. Do they believe in me? Do they have a true relationship with me where they know who I truly am? Even though we have the human-made stuff around it, he's like, I got my church. Come on. And the church is way greater and it's way bigger than you guys know, than we, any of us know, but it's not the man-made stuff. It's what God sees in the spirit. Okay, you guys, you guys catch what I'm saying? I've been on this stuff for weeks. And so he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I want you guys to repeat this with me, all right? On the revelation of the true Christ... Jesus builds his church, his ecclesia, and Jesus builds his church. It's Jesus' church. It's not our church. It's his church, and he builds it. Come on. Let, let me ask you a question. If Jesus builds something, does it suck or is it amazing? Absolutely. Jesus does not build sucky stuff, okay? I 
I know some people hate that word. I'm trying to get a point across. Jesus does not build anything except what's excellent. And what he builds has been fearfully and wonderfully made. He builds his church. He builds his church. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And when he said, I will, that's future tense, which means the church did not exist when he said it, but he was pregnant with the church. <laughs> he knew it was coming soon. I will build, and it happened in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. All right? But he said, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Who will the gates of Hades not prevail against? The church. The church. He didn't say that the gates of Hades won't prevail against individual Christians who are, who are going it alone. He said it will not prevail against the church, the ecclesia, the thing that Jesus built. Come on. Everybody say this. The gates of Hades, gates of Hades. Shall, not prevail shall not prevail against Jesus' church. You see, this is God's version of the church. And that's what I've been preaching on, right? But we've got to continue to verse 19. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to give them to you? Jesus. You don't get to just do them on your own. Jesus gives them. He gives you the keys of what? The kingdom of heaven. Come on. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I need to give us a little bit of refresh, but I'm going to keep building into this, all right? I, I, I read this to you a couple weeks ago um, from the Passion Translation. Uh, Brian Simmons says this <clears throat> about that passage. He says, the Greek word for church is ekklesia and means the legislative assembly or the selected ones, all right? He says, this is not a religious term at all, but a political and governmental term that is used many times in classical Greek for a group of people who have been summoned and gathered together. All right, so I want you guys to hear that. Like, the, there's something important about being summoned and gathered together. Okay? Not, I'm part of the church because I'm a Christian. I'm part of the universal church, but I'm going to do my own thing. No, there's the summoning and the gathering together, all right? You guys get, catching this? Who do you think the person is who's summoning his people together? It's Jesus, okay? Summoning and gathering together to govern the affairs of a city. Whoa, you mean it's not just summoned and gathered together so we can have a, a nice um, emotional worship service? Well... Yeah, that's part of it, but that's not really the whole of it, because when you think about what he's saying, that the ecclesia really is, there's more to it than that. Like, God's vision for his church is bigger than just good church services and, and good gatherings. It's actually like he sees in the spirit beyond what we see in the flesh when we just sit here and we look around and we're, like, we're going through the motions. God's seeing something that's actually being established in the spirit realm. 
That's actually, it's actually far more powerful than we know. There's so much authority and power on it. He's saying, I'm actually wanting the church to be the governing force in the spirit realm of a city and a region. He continues, he says, for Jesus to use this term means he is giving the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to who? The church. The church. Jesus thinks way more highly about his church than most Christians do. This is a big deal to him. Like, like this is actually, if somebody would want to use the word institution, and a lot of people use that negatively, or organization, whatever you want to call it that makes it sound human, like God actually says, no, I'm actually building my kingdom through my church. Let's take it in. All right, <clears throat> and I read to you this note that I had <clears throat> Recently, too. The same way that it took the Father to reveal that Jesus, the flesh and blood man they've been hanging out with, that he was actually the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like it actually took supernatural revealing, the opening of their eyes to see Jesus beyond flesh. Whoa, I'm actually, I'm hanging out with this man who's a great teacher, but I just saw in him in the Spirit. And this is the Son of God. This is the eternal God who sat on a throne for eternity before he came to be a baby. Like, like to be able to see the, 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 the crazy vastness of who this person is that they were hanging out with that, that blessed them by teachings, it's like, whoa, this is way bigger than I expected. You guys catching what I'm saying? So the same way that it took the Father to reveal that part of Jesus, <clears throat> Who, who he is truly in the, as a spirit man, it's the same way that we need to see the church as God sees it. <laughs> Most people are viewing the church through the eyes of the flesh and blood and completely missing what Jesus sees. The body of Christ is not the fleshy thing that people tend to assume is the church. It is the spirit of that that Jesus sees. Come on. 2 Corinthians 5.16. It says, from now on, we no longer regard one another according to the flesh. Because the Lord is, is trying to train us how to perceive one another from the Spirit, from the new creation, all things passed away. Behold, all things became new. The, we, we, we're supposed to, as Christians, not judge each other by, their, by each other's latest flaw or success. But to see past that, the spirit of one another that's redeemed and born again of the spirit of the living God. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Maybe they didn't just act that way, but it's because they just didn't understand who they were yet. But the more we understand who we are, the more we behave accordingly because we act according to who we think we are. And so we need to be able to see one another in this way, but we have to also take a look at God's church, his ecclesia, and see it in the spirit. And we need to stop throwing stones at it and stop speaking judgments and accusations about the things that we don't like about it. 
Like, yes, there are things that God needs to bring judgment to that are, that are horrible. I get that. But some people have, have focused so much on that stuff that they can't even see the good in the church anymore. And I'm talking about Christians who used to go to church regularly. It's not okay. Whatever those people did in secret does not define who God's church is. Jesus defines who his church is. Come on. So whatever the flesh and blood reveals that the church is would not be able to stand up to the gates of Hades. The, 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 what we, the way that we interact or deem the church according to the flesh and blood, it would get crushed by the gates of Hades. Because that's man-made. We, in and of ourselves, are powerless against Satan. I'm talking about without Jesus. He could come and snuff you out. But when we know who we are in Christ and who he is in us, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And Jesus can snuff Satan. And when we know who we are, we don't just have the upper hand. We win. Come on. Okay? But the problem is that a lot of people are doing church and doing Christianity from the level of the flesh from the soul level, from action level, but not actually seeing it and engaging from the spirit and heart level the way Jesus wants us to. And we need to understand that when we catch it at that level and we start functioning and we start sowing our lives into it, like we become the ecclesia that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against. We need to stop looking at the church according to the flesh. We need to see it according to the Spirit. Okay? The works of the flesh of the church could never withstand hell. But what is the true church? What truly is the church of the Spirit level? The truth underneath the junk, right? The real church. Jesus wants to shake off a lot of the other stuff, but not because he's trying to judge the people of the church. He's trying to purify it to get us down to the true form of who we are. Okay, and, But when we understand the true church and that was founded on the revelation of Jesus Christ, we can't only withstand hell, but we conquer hell. We crush hell. Come on. Jesus said, you guys remember this, Jesus said that, the, he's talking about how amazing John the Baptist was, and he said, of all the prophets, there's been none as great as John the Baptist. But then he said, but to those of you who have been born again, I forgot how he worded it exactly, but the, those of you who are of the kingdom, he said, even the least of you is greater than the greatest of them. Okay? I want to say this, the, the least person in God's kingdom, not that we're supposed to go around judging who's the least, right? Like, if you're going to do it, do it to yourself. I think you might be the least in the kingdom, but I'm not sure. That's not probably a great encouragement. <laughs> Look at yourself, not others, okay? <clears throat> but, but if you could just imagine what Jesus is saying here, the least 
who's been born again and walking in the Spirit is far greater and far more powerful than the greatest, most anointed minister who's walking in his flesh. You got to understand this. Like with the way that the way that we measure things is usually is not the way God's actually measuring things. You walk in the spirit and you stay connected with the spirit of God and you're living from that realm, you have more power than you could ever imagine. And it far surpasses the greatest ministry who knows how to do all the stuff that people deem as as God's kingdom but actually isn't. Like God, we don't need to compare that stuff. Like, we just need to walk in the Spirit and know that God's given us more power than we could ever imagine. You guys, you guys with me? And in the same way, though, the, 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 the least of all the churches in the true spirit of that church is actually greater than the greatest of all the churches that's done all the stuff but God wasn't doing it. <laughs> and a lot of people are trying to, they measure church by what's happening or all that stuff, and God's just saying, are you letting me be the center? Are you welcoming me? Are you loving each other well? Are you doing community well in my presence? Because God thinks that's way greater than all the other stuff. And I'm not saying this to judge churches. My point is simple, that we need to stop looking at church from the flesh eye and start seeing it from the spirit eye. Because great churches who might be doing a lot of what we call man-made stuff, I'll bet you there's a lot of kingdom in there too when you look at it in the spirit. Okay? So it's not about judging. It's just about seeing in the spirit what's true. Does that make sense? And I offered a, a kind of a warning a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to remind us of this. The, the context of this passage is so powerful, where Jesus is building his church and the gates of Hades can't prevail, and then the kingdom comes. It, he gives keys to the kingdom, and we bind and we loose, right? It's all powerful. It's, it's, it's got protection on it, right? So much protection from, from hell and from Satan. And, and not only protection, it's not just the defensive protection, but it's the offensive uh, prevailing. It's the, it's the victory, okay? It's all of that. And, and I just want to say that the protection and the victory that Jesus specifically is speaking of in this passage is contingent on actually being a part of the church, It is. The, the whole connotation is this is happening within his church. Which scares the you-know-what out of me. For people who think that they're part of the kingdom, but they actually despise the church, or they've left the church, or they're not committed, but maybe just vagabonds bouncing around to different churches, but not actually having a, a home. Like, like, this promise is actually for being a part of the living organism called his ecclesia, his church. Okay? So, so we just got to understand that. Like, like, it does not promise that protection and that victory to people 
who aren't part of that. You, you got you to gotta see what he's saying and then what's excluded in what he's saying because he's, he's kind of given a defined picture. This is a, a word he's speaking in context to ecclesia. How are we doing in our hearts towards old Jesse up here right now? Good? Okay. The church is the body of Christ. The church, everybody say that. The church is the body of Christ. Come on. And the church is the work of Christ. He's the one who builds this. Okay? So to slander the church, or, or even worse, to abandon the church, would be to slander or to abandon Jesus himself. I don't know if anybody in here, I'm not presuming this, needs to get convicted about these things I'm talking about, but if you do, please let the Holy Spirit convict your heart and pray for other people because this is rampant right now. Have you guys, have you guys been able to observe in me a passion on this topic? Like it, it grieves me so much to see how many people are leaving the church and creating all kinds of good reasons for why the church is not a good thing to be in. And I have compassion for them. I really do. But I have anger towards the devil who's trying to create a mass deception on Jesus' family. You guys with me? I want to say this. The church is actually... Maybe not the full of it, but a huge part of it. it, it God's provided covering, spiritual covering for his children. So when people have reason through, a, usually it's through hurt and offense to leave the church, whether they know it or not, because maybe they've justified their reason to do it, that the, the, most people don't understand this. There's actually a divine spiritual covering that he puts on his church, and it's, it's like an umbrella that brings protection and blessing upon God's people. And to get outside of it, people don't know this. They're actually getting into the war zone with no protection. Scares me. A lot of people use this stuff as, as control manipulation on the people. That is not my heart. I, wanna, I want people to be safe and saved and blessed. I didn't, I didn't create this. Jesus did. You guys, you guys all right this morning? Thank you. All right. This location that Jesus took his, his disciples to when he's sharing about this whole thing, he, he took them to Caesarea Philippi, all right? It, it's a, I believe it's a, an area that's up north, and I, I think there's a lot more Gentiles up there. And that area, Caesarea Philippi, was covered all over the place with temples to false gods and stuff. And, and uh, there's a place in Caesarea Philippi that literally is called the Gate of Hell. Like it's an actual place called the Gate of Hell, right in that area that Jesus went to. And a lot of people actually believe that Jesus probably took his disciples right there 
to where the gate of hell is so that they could be looking at that scenery while he's sharing this, okay? And that, that place, it, there was a temple of Augustus there, and there's a cave that is, is the gate, that, sorry, a cave to the god Pan, all right? Pan was, you guys have probably seen um, video or like movies or cartoons of this goat, like goat legs and human body, and he, I think he has horns and plays a pan flute. That's, that's not just a fun fairy tale creature. That's actually literally a demon god named Pan. And fun fact, I actually learned that um, our, one of our favorite Peter Pans, actually, his history actually traces back to that dude. Kind of weird. Just throwing that out there so you can do what you want with that. That's all right. The god of Pan, all right? And, and he was considered a shepherd god. And so here's Jesus probably taking his disciples right to this area and, you know, to this place where this shepherd God is. And who is Jesus, the great shepherd, right? So he's like bringing, he's restoring things. And so this, this cave at this, uh, this temple actually had this deep hole that went way deep in there and it had water in there. And I, I think it probably was in the days of, of uh, Josephus wrote about that, and they, whatever ways that they could measure the depth of things back in that day, they said that that was so deep, like it was deeper than anything they could possibly record. I don't know how deep that was, but, the, but what they would do is that they would, they would do human sacrifices, and they would throw humans, they would sacrifice humans, and then throw them into that cave down into the water, and they would, they would find out whether the God would receive the sacrifice or not by did, did blood come out in the streams where they'd get water. And if the blood came out, he rejected them. I don't know what the repercussions were, but if not, then they accepted it. But can you guys just imagine how demonic that place is? Like it's, it's horribly demonic. And they actually considered that cave to be a gateway to the underworld. So it literally was called the gate of hell. Isn't that crazy? How many of you guys already knew that? A couple of, a few of you did. Okay. <clears throat> and so it's, it's just a really evil place. And I actually have a friend who went there one time. And he sent me pictures of it. Has anybody in here been to that area by any chance in Israel? You've been to the gate of hell? What's that? You've been in Philippi? Okay. Have you seen the location of this? Okay, my friend went there one time, and, and he, he actually said that it was, a, he said you could actually feel like the atmosphere of that place there. Pretty crazy. So, but it's interesting that Jesus may have taken his disciples there as a visual. So my point is, like, he's showing them this place that is demonic, and, and he's referring to something way more spiritual than just the, the visible thing in that location. He's, he's talking about the gates of hell, right, the Hades and so I talked to you guys recently about when he talks about the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church, I always, I always thought that means that the devil is going to try to come and attack the church, but he's not going to win. But that's not actually the picture he's painting here. Gates don't move. They don't actually go places and bring an offensive warfare. Gates aren't designed for that. They're designed to stay put and to protect a place. So they're not 
an offensive weapon. They're a defensive weapon. So when Jesus is talking about, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it, he's actually saying that there's, there's a defense, there, there's a gate of defense that in, in territories where hell has a domain, but he's saying it won't be able to prevail against the church. Well, why would he need to say that it won't prevail against the church except that he's, in, he's implying that the church is going to be pressing into that and the gates of Hades will not be able to resist what God's doing through his church, bringing kingdom of heaven into the territories where hell has occupied. And so, so he's saying, he didn't say the gates of Hades might not be able to make it sometimes if you're doing good. He didn't say, like, you're going to win sometimes. No, he said, this is a matter of fact to him, it's black and white. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against my church. But the implication is that the church is actually taking his kingdom from heaven into the territories where hell resides. Okay? So the whole picture that Jesus is saying, it's, it's, a, it's an, a kingdom expansion picture, all right? And if, if, the, if the gates are a defensive structure, then it won't resist. There, there has to be an offensive coming against it, right? That's the church. And so I want you guys to declare this with me. The church is not... On the defense. The church is on the offense. Let's say it again. The church is not on the defense. The church is on the offense. Come on. And one of our core values is his kingdom is advancing. Okay, and, and you, we read Isaiah 9, I think it's verse 6 or 7. It says, that, it says the government will be upon the shoulders. It's talking about Jesus. And it says of the increase of his government and his peace, it will never end. So God is actually bringing heaven. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to this earth. And Jesus came and he preached, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. Whoa. So God's actually bringing his kingdom to the earth. And I think this picture is kind of funny. He, Jesus kicks Satan and the third of his demons out of heaven, and it says there is no place for them anymore. Okay? And that's in, in Revelation 12. But now he, he's actually showing us that not only did he, he's like, Satan, you don't belong here anymore. Boot you out. I'm going to let you go to the earth. And Satan's probably like, oh, cool. At least I got the earth. But then Jesus comes to the earth and he's building his church right there, building it into the territory of Satan's domain. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, you can't be here either. And then so Satan probably goes somewhere else and then he keeps building his church. Oh, you can't be here either. And so we're like, we're, we're taking away Satan's dominion. That's God's version of the church.
Come on. The church is greater than it looks to the natural eye. The church will expand the domain of God's kingdom. If the church co-labors with Jesus, of course, we, that's the contingency, right? We're co-laboring with Jesus. If, we, if we're passive, we're not actually actively part of this advancing church. But when we're co-laboring with Jesus, it will overtake the fortification of principalities and will crush them. Come on. This is powerful. Is anybody getting excited at all? Like, even, even a little? The territory of God's kingdom, which is the king's domain, kingdom, king's domain, right? Kingdom. The territory of God's kingdom will increase. It will crush Satan. It will plunder Satan's kingdom. Come on, plunder. And it will establish the king's domain in that territory. This is God's version of his church. And heaven already said that. Now, I want to remind us that the whole picture here is in the context, not of the individual, but of the church. The unified church. That's how he's doing it. Not through a bunch of individuals trying to create their own ministries and I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go. No, it's the church united and God's building his kingdom through his people coming together in unity and doing the, the way that God wants to. It, it has to prevail. Crushing strongholds is, is not the goal. Okay? Bringing heaven is the goal. And the crushing of the strongholds is the byproduct. <laughs> I'm getting myself excited. God has given us the authority and the power to access heaven. And we talk a lot about that. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.6. And we get to access heaven, but he doesn't want us just to hang out there and be completely disconnected with this because this is our stewardship. And he wants us to bring his kingdom from heaven into this earth. And guess what? When you bring the atmosphere of one place to another place, what happens you shift atmospheres. When you hang out in the heavenly places and then you continue carrying it when you go places that don't feel heavenly, guess what happens? You shift the atmosphere. And the devil will do anything he can to try to get us to believe that this realm here is superior to that realm and that we have to come under it. But God's actually trying to show us, no, we actually bring that under us. And then we bring the atmosphere of heaven in. We're releasing heaven to earth in places that were occupied by Hades. And guess who's the more powerful one? It's Jesus. 
some of our friends from Bethel went on a ministry trip years ago. Some of you guys have probably heard this testimony before, way before. It was actually a few years before we moved here. But it was led by uh, Joaquin Evans, who was he's kind of a friend, kind of a leader in our life. And he, they, they went to Nebraska, and they were ministering at a conference there. And while they were ministering, they, for a few days, they, they heard of a prophecy about a hospital. I don't know if it was a specific hospital that the prophecy spoke or not, but there's a prophecy that a hospital is going to get cleared out. And I think it actually specifically was about this. Uh, it's a regional hospital in Grand Island, Nebraska. All right. And so and, and at this conference, there was a nurse who I think might have been a head nurse. And the, through collaboration, she's like, I think I want to try to get you guys to that hospital so that you guys can come and pray for people. So they took a bus and took a group of people there, and they wanted to go pray for as many people as they could, go in and, like, they were just dreaming of laying hands on people and their rooms and the ER and all this stuff. And uh, unfortunately, there is, for some reason, there are such controls on the place that they did not allow them to do that. And I think that maybe they got an opportunity to pray for, like, two or three people out of the whole place. They had a whole team. <laughs> so it didn't turn out quite what they expected. But they, but they also knew that we are people who are seated in heavenly places and we bring the atmosphere of heaven everywhere we go. And so whether they let us into those rooms or not, that can't stop what God can do, right? And so they, they, they actually walked whatever halls they were allowed to, just releasing presence, it's releasing, the, releasing heaven, heaven come, and just doing that. And they only got to pray for a couple people. After that time, um, they could have been discouraged. Oh, man, our mission got foiled. But instead, when they got back on the bus, they all prayed together and they thanked God for the opportunity to pray for those two or three people instead of grumbling that they couldn't have prayed for more, right? Thanksgiving is a lot more powerful than grumbling. And, and, then, they, and then they started just praying for the power of God to come on that hospital, that's awesome. Like, in the natural, it's like, big deal. They didn't hardly do anything, and it was just a little prayer meeting. They didn't believe it like that. You know why? Because they're not looking at things from flesh eyes. They're looking at things through the spirit eyes, that there's more power that we have access to than what it looks like on the outside. But most Christians don't know how to look with the eyes of faith like that, and so we limit ourselves. God wants us to expand our ideas and our vision and our faith to see things from the Spirit. God can do way more than you can do in your own flesh body. Okay? So after that conference is over, and it was a couple of weeks later, um, they actually found out that that hospital, which I think was pretty close to full capacity, had within two weeks reduced to 50% occupancy during flu season in November when it would normally be packed full. And then it kept reducing until I think it got down to like a third full occupancy. And I, if I remember correctly, I think they even had to send nurses home because they didn't have work for them to do. Is that right? Were you there? Yeah. So that's crazy. Guys, like seriously, are you just sitting there just looking at me when I'm telling you this crazy wild story? I said, listen, I said to you, two-thirds of a hospital got emptied. 
Are you sick? Like, come on. That's crazy. They didn't lay hands on but a couple of people. But two-thirds of a full hospital, and it's a regional hospital, which means that for, for several months it stayed at a third capacity, which means in that entire region, God reduced the flu and all the sicknesses for a region, not just in that building. You guys see the big picture there. That's crazy. And they didn't get to go just have like a Smith Wigglesworth meeting in the hospital. Most of it happened by, by walking in the area, releasing the presence of heaven, and then praying in unity. Boom, Lord, do it. And then God did way beyond what they could ever imagine. That's a real story with people I know. Isn't that awesome? Everybody say this, the gates of Hades will not prevail. The gates of Hades will not prevail. <laughs> it's amazing. We've got to think of it in terms of storming the gates of hell. We don't have to get devil-focused. Like, we, we want to be aware, yeah. We, we, want to, we want to know that there's demons and there's principalities and, and that they, like, sometimes God might even give insights on things. And I want to tell you, like, a, a principality that's in this region that Jessica and I feel strongly that we're, we want to see crushed, and it, it'll probably take a lot of time to get it there, is, is the, a spirit of, it's like a, it's an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit. And a religious spirit. And I'm not saying these things to judge people who function from that. No, we have compassion for that. But the devil has, has really tried to lie. And I'm talking through generations and generations of living certain ways and believing certain ways. And, and God wants to crush that spirit. But you, you don't cast out an orphan spirit. You got you to gotta bring the father into that. Right? And so it takes time. It's a culture shift. But I, I just want you guys to know that, like, part of the, part of the gates of Hades that, we're, that, we, that we believe that's not going to prevail is those spirits, orphan spirit and religious spirit. Okay? Lord, you didn't perform the miracle I was, I was believing for. The one about me finishing this in time. <laughs> yeah, there's there that's plenty for another message. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to take it to the next level. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus building his church. It's his church. It's him building it. He is doing it. It's far greater than we know according to the flesh. And the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. If the gates of Hades 
seem to be prevailing, something's out of alignment. And it's not God. There's a covering that God's provided called the ecclesia. There's blessing in it. There's covering in it. And, there, and there's protection. You guys, I want you to understand this too. God is protecting you more than you could ever know. There's assignments out on your life from the enemy and there's wars out there and, and there's just all kinds of stuff, and you have no idea. Like, you, you have some idea because you feel some of it, but I'll bet you don't see or feel 10% of what's actually out there. And there's a, it's not because God's made you ignorant. It's because God's made you protected. You don't need to know. If you get all focused on that, you're going to get your eyes on, off of Jesus and onto the problem. Okay? But I just, I just want you guys to know, like, there, it's just, it's protected. So it's, there's the shield and there's the sword <laughs> that's in the church that, that comes against the gates of Hades. <clears throat> yeah, I, and the, the enemy, there, there's, obviously there's different levels of, territory the enemy has like some of it is like regional and he's got armies some of it is individual and and maybe smaller but connected to individual situations and like I I, I want us to be a church I want us to be a, a people together who we're not just going after our own breakthroughs but that we love one another enough to go after one another's breakthroughs too. Because if we're just going after our own, then we're, then we're just doing it. We're doing our own thing. Like being in the church means we're here for one another. At some level, we've got to learn how to embrace other people's breakthroughs with them and sometimes even for them. How are we doing right now, guys? Okay. <clears throat> sometimes it's hard for me to, when, when I realize that I'm not done with the sermon I thought I had and it's gotta be next week, it makes me have to change my closing approach. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I'm still going to go after the same thing right now that I felt this morning. Um, I want us to, as a church, I, I want us to corporately put the weight of the church behind some breakthroughs that we need to go after. Amen. I, I want us to, as a church corporately, I, I want us to put the covering of this ecclesia over one another's breakthroughs in certain areas this morning. Because some of y'all have been going it alone. And, and that's not actually how God's trying to do it. Okay? But 
there's a lot of things we could go after. The, the one that I just really felt God focusing on this morning is <clears throat> I want to invite you guys And I'm going to actually ask some of you to come forward on this, but, uh, but if it's too vulnerable for you to, then you can, you can stay in your seat and just pull on this. But um, if you can come forward and just crowd yourselves up here, we're not doing a, a line this time, just crowd up here on this one. And as a church, we're going to, we're going to pray. But specifically, um, if, you, if you have a real breakthrough need in your home and in your family. And I know there are some of those. I know there are. It could be it could be tension between people, it can be disunity, it could be um, uh, unequally yoked marriages and somebody because somebody's not like yielded to the Lord, it can be um, relational brokenness, it could be a, a somebody who who's backslidden. Whatever, whatever the need is, it could be somebody who just needs a breakthrough and, and some kind of a bondage or something, but, uh, but we're going we to pray, and, and I want us just as a church, I want us to, by the Spirit of God, by, the, by faith, like see from your Spirit that we're covering one another as God's ecclesia, and, and the, the gates of Hades cannot prevail against what we're getting ready to do. Come on. So as you're, yeah, just come up here. You can come up here in, in, in the area in front of me here. Um, are you able to put any, any instrumental type music on while we do this? Um, you don't have to tell us what the situation is, right, or who it's for. God knows. And, it, I mean, it could be every single person in here, and if it is, that's crazy. Cool. We're just going to pray for one another. Um, as we're doing this, though, in your faith, I just want you to see this. Like, Jesus said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. This is the church coming together right now, covering. We're co- I don't want you just to stand here now to represent yourself. I want you to also represent each other's breakthrough right now. So let's lift our hands to heaven. I'm feeling his presence. If you didn't come up here, point your hands towards everybody. Yeah, actually, if you guys want to come up here and lay hands on people, you can do that. Just not like walk around laying, but just wherever you're standing there. <clears throat> yeah, let's just take a moment. I want you to just lift your person up or your people up to the Lord right now. Just lift them up to him. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. God cares for this. Earlier this week, I saw a picture of this actually happening, and I didn't know what he was going to be preaching on or what his response was going to be. And what I saw was a picture of the people needing breakthrough coming here in the middle and everybody else coming up. So if you are willing to be a part of this, if you can come up. And I just felt like there was like this line that's created with the people who are praying for them in the back. I don't know. I can't see who's back there if there is anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, for the people praying, if you can just kind of create a line behind, them. behind the people pr- who are getting prayer. Okay. Then let's, let's have everybody who came up here come forward a little bit more. 
That's pretty cool that the Lord showed her that because we didn't talk about this. That means God's on this right now. Thank you, Lord. All right, yeah, whoever else, just come up here and lay hands on the people. And <clears throat> All right, again, just just lift your hands to the Lord and, and just give the person or people to the Lord right now. <clears throat> and I want you just to envision that, I mean, Christ is the head of his church. So this isn't just about just us. It's, G, it's totally covered in Jesus. But we're the church, and, and Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. And so I want you to envision whatever that breakthrough need is that's going on. I want you just to acknowledge um, where the work of the enemy has had his place on it. And even if you don't have detail, that's fine, but just acknowledge that, that there's that the enemy's been at work and I need a breakthrough. Just just talk to God for a minute about that. <clears throat> Okay, and then and then the next thing I want you to do is remember that we're not up here just for ourselves. We're up here for one another. And if you guys can just lift your hands up, but out, so that your arms are actually covering people. Like just in the spirit, you're covering one another. Yeah, just lift your arms up high enough to go over people's heads, even and. And just, just envision this. We're covering one another right now in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Lord. God, we lift up each person. Each person, Lord. <coughs> Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've, you said that hell cannot prevail. And so we just declare that over each situation right now. I just declare over each person, we lift you up to the Lord, and we just declare over you that hell cannot prevail against what God's doing in you right now. And Lord, we ask you to open the heavens on each of these people. And we ask you, Lord God, to send ministering spirits to them. Yeah, you, Jesus, you said that you give us the keys of heaven and I didn't get a talk on that yet, but we're just, we're just going to access that right now. The keys, the kingdom of heaven. Lord, to just unlock over these people right now. Unlock heaven over them in Jesus' name. Unlock heaven over them right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I just release ministering spirits. Lord, that will minister to hearts, minister to spirits, minister to souls and emotions and brokenness, Lord God. Minister hope, minister love, minister humility, minister Christ and full surrender to Jesus, Lord. Minister healing. Lord, we just lift these people up right now and I pray in the name of Jesus for breakthrough for each person. Breakthrough, Lord. Lord, that you would break chains. Lord, that you would set people free from prisons, Lord. Lord, that you would heal hearts and heal relationships. Lord, that you would, that you would convict the backslider, Lord, to come back home. Lord, that you would set captives free. 
that you would, that you would restore relationships through reconciliation, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, just take a moment and just start praying for the people around you, however the Lord leads you to pray for the people around you right now. God, we pray for revival. We pray for revival in homes and in families. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, bring revival to people's hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, take a minute, and I want you to take your mind off of your breakthrough and, and just look around at the people around you right now with your open eyes. Like, just look around and just see each person up here as somebody who God has promised and breakthrough for. Just look at them. Yeah, Lord, I ask you to give us a heart for one another. A real heart to cover one another, to, to love one another, to fight for one another, to defend one another. Do you guys believe for breakthrough? Yes. This might get interesting on eardrums, but I want us to give God a big shout of praise. Not yet. Not yet. I want you again, I want you to be looking at each other. And we're going to give God a big, mighty praise for each other's breakthrough right now. Let's just do that on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on. That's awesome. I'm feeling it. Whew, you guys feeling anything shifting at all? Wow. Whew, my head's getting light right now. By the presence. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. I just keep hearing the Lord wants, he's releasing that, that we're going to tread and trample the, the lion and the cobra, the great lion, the great cobra. Amen. You know, and he's going to release. Yeah. Did you say jump? <laughs> Stomp, that's right. Stomp his head. But I just love that imagery, like treading and trampling on the, the enemy's activity. And uh, I feel a covering, so thank you. And uh yeah, so praise God. Yeah, power in numbers. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. Yeah, the power of the church, power of what Jesus does in his church. All right, we love you guys. Take this with you. Like, spend some time and just sit with Jesus in this today. Like, he's doing something. I feel something. I feel like a, a new lightness, actually. It's kind of crazy. Do you guys feel that? It's a lightness. I'm shifted. Wow. Thank you.